Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. Well, uh, halfway through the week, and uh, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Well, I was two days off ill, uh, uh, but I'm uh, slowly getting back onto my feet again. Uh, and in my absence, I see suddenly Donald Trump has gone and smacked the bejesus out of the rand. Ah, well, there you go. We've got uh, we've got the rand uh, on the back foot again. Uh, America threatening sanctions on Iran. Uh, they're threatening all kinds of people buying oil from Iran. Iran saying that, well, we are going to fight for our right to sell our oil and to carry our oil through the Hormuz Strait. And, uh, well, that's pushing up the oil price. It's... Um, Got uh, investors uh, moving out of uh, emerging economies and into so-called safe haven uh, investments like U.S. Treasuries, although I don't think they're worth the paper they're written on. But then, you know, uh, investment trends are things that investors follow as long as the trend continues. Then when the trend turns around, suddenly it's a very different world that we're looking at. Well, I suppose, you know, people have been uh, predicting the demise of the United States for a very long time. I've done it myself, I must admit, really thought uh, 2008 would be seeing something different. But then, well, who would have thought that uh, the world could actually sit back and accept that quantitative easing is in actual fact uh, a logical and uh, legitimate and, um, you know, uh, well, uh, something that's uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, United States lends money to itself. It's just printing dollars. So in Europe, they're printing euros. In Japan, they're printing yen. In China, they're printing yuan. And, uh, well, everyone's giving themselves money other than, uh, well, us small little basket case countries. I don't want to use the term, uh, I guess, uh, Donald Trump would use to describe us. Something ending with a hole. But, uh, yeah, uh, that is the... Uh, the basket that we're in, the basket case that we're in, the South Africa and other emerging, emerging markets, South Africa's ran very often used as a proxy for all other emerging markets simply because it's so easily tradable and because, uh, well, there's a, there's a lot more activity in the South African rand than many other emerging market currencies. And so we become a proxy for everything uh, that is emerging markets. And so, well, we see sell-offs in the rand over the last few days. Um, Trade expectations, not all that great. Uh, we, we are seeing uh, the United States today threatening to slap more steel tariffs on um, Chinese imports. So that won't be uh, blowing uh, any kind of goodwill over United States-China trade talks. Uh, and, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen over there. All right. So anyway, the JSE today finishing in the red. Uh, it's down nearly a percent, 0.74% it's down. It's on 59,102.68. The top 40 is on 52,785.57. It's down at 0.75. Uh, the rand is down against the dollar. It's on 1446. Um, on, on, on Friday, it was, below, it, uh, it was below 14 to the dollar. Today, it's on 1446. The, the pound is uh, eighteen uh, sixteen. The rather the rand is eighteen sixty nine to the pound, and it's sixteen fourteen to the euro. Uh, the gold price not given much cheer either. It's on a thousand two hundred and seventy six point oh three, 
And well, anyway, now what does the gold price indicate for South Africa? Is South Africa really a gold economy anymore? We make more money out of coal. Uh, platinum seems to have uh, it's, it's got a long life ahead of it uh, compared to gold. Should we be turning our back on gold? Well, maybe. Uh, people say that basically uh, in terms of our technology that we have, we've basically reached the, the extent of the depth that we're going to be able to mine um, places like Deep South and so on have shown that uh, the technological and engineering challenges of going below four kilometers uh, into the surface of the earth really requires a whole kinds of skills and, and the disciplines to which it would seem that the mining industry and the engineering industry are simply completely unprepared for at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, well, what is going to be happening uh, with South Africa as a mining country going forward? A uh, major problem. Uh, we've had uh, we had an interesting um, uh, conference in Cape Town a few weeks ago. Uh, a just transition from coal. Uh, yeah, so now we're going to stop mining coal as well one day. What is that going to leave us? Where is that going to leave us? Well, uh, that and a whole lot of other interesting questions are probably going to be debated as the the May eight election approaches. Uh, things getting a little bit hairy, the DA accusing the ANC of actually like, you know, engaging in uh, protest activity at, at uh, uh, well, nothing wrong with protest activity, I suppose the ANC would argue, but um, uh, when, they ta- when they target DA municipalities, is that fair? <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, politics is a dirty game in, in, on any day of the week, and I don't think Wednesday is any different. Well, coming up in the show today, we've got the government is trying to shut down AMCU. Low maize harvest expected 15% down. More embarrassing PIC revelations after a email apparently uh, to Dan Machila, the former CEO of the PIC, the Public Investment Corporation, which manages the pension funds for government employees. Apparently that email sent from Iqbal's server. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, these things aren't supposed to be happening. Uh, between CEOs when one is asking for a loan from the other one and you're dealing with public money. Vodacom NTM data is too expensive, says the Competition Commission. They're going to have to bring down their data costs. It's going to be interesting to see what, how low they're going to bring it. JP Morgan is no longer punting Anglo as it does for the last three years. Casato wants Tito to retire. He says he needs to... Um, Follow his own advice, Tito's saying, yeah, no, public servants who reach 55, they must retire. In fact, all kind of workers who reach 55 must retire. You need to give the youth a chance. Says Tito Mouen, is 60 years old. Well, anyway, we'll go have a look at that a little bit later. Boeing is still battling to take off after a $1 billion write-off. Uh, the problems with its uh, Max 8 uh, 737s continue uh, to plague it. Uh, it looks as though it's still going to be quite a while before it's going to be able to take to the air once again. Herman Mashaba, the mayor of Johannesburg, wants to spend 20 billion rands. Well, who doesn't? Uh, Herman Mashaba says it's going to be the biggest uh, investment in infrastructure in Johannesburg for a long time. Uh, hopefully, they're going to be uh, better at administering uh, the reconstruction of Johannesburg than the government has been at uh, building uh, power plants for ESCOM. Uh, Tom Gart is redoing its books, it says. Uh, it's had a look at uh, pre- previous um, results and it's realized that maybe in actual fact it should have been including uh, f- uh, land sales in its results. Uh, 
would have thought, you know, that's a pretty obvious one, but it would seem that, well, you know, when it comes to accountants and accounting, there's many things that are not obvious. Australian mining giant is trying to gag the Kolobeni activists. Uh, a very interesting story, that one. Hopefully we'll have time to get through to it. All right, so anyway, uh, according to ShareNet, um, most watch shares today, well, you've got the two usual regulars, uh, Steinoff and EOH, uh, Naspass is the third most watched share and Sassel in fourth place today. Uh, biggest uh, winners on the JSE today, RCL, that's uh, Rainbow Chicken, uh, Idletile, Capco, that's a capital and county, it's a rate from London. Hammerson, another rate from London. It's always very suspicious when you get two rates appearing up there in the top five. Brait, uh, the diversified consumer investment company, is in fourth place. Tiger Brands, the biggest loser today. It's down 7.79%. Uh, Life HC Clinics is uh, down 6.27%. ShopRite in third place among the biggest losers. Vodacom also there. Vodacom and NTM both hit by that competition announcement that their data costs are going to have to come down. And Quilt uh, taking up uh, fifth place there. All right, okay. So let's move on to some media news. The South African government intends to cancel the registration of the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCU, for not operating according to the Labor Relations Act, according to a government gazette out today. What does this remind us of? This reminds us of uh, the apartheid government trying to shut down the trade union movement in the 1980s. That's after it had uh, passed laws allowing uh, trade unions uh, to exist. Imagine that. It's a big surprise for the world. But in actual fact, what had been happening was uh, that industrial relations and factory floors all around South Africa had reached a chaotic state. Uh, workers were unhappy and refusing to work, and management had no one to negotiate with. So as a result, 1979, the Vian Commission came out. 1980, the apartheid government announces that they're going to allow trade unions. 1981, they passed the Labor Relations Act, which allows for the registration of trade unions. And immediately the apartheid government then starts trying to shut down trade unions all over the place. Well, what do we make of this now? The uh, ANC is trying to shut down AMCO. Mm, It's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen over there because if if they do succeed in it, I can just kind of see violence and all kinds of things happening on mines around South Africa. That's going to be the upshot of it. I mean... uh, uh, clearly, the government uh, is uh, trying to look like a tough guy for the big mining companies uh, and is stepping in there with heavy boots. We must remember this is the uh, Silver Rome Opposers uh, government. Uh, we haven't forgotten what happened uh, up in the north there, west there in, in 2012, the Marikana massacre. Apparently, at his request, well, he didn't request the massacre, he requested the police to take action which they then duly did. Uh, so now what's going to happen? Now Silver Ramaphosa's government wants to shut down uh, the most um, the most active and strident trade union in the country. Uh, it's not something, it's, what do they call it? Uh, an immovable, uh, an, an irresistible force striking an immovable object. Something is going to have to change. Either that uh, irresistible force is going to become resistible or that immovable object is going to move. 
Uh, AMCU is one of the largest trade unions in South Africa's mining sector. It's got tens of thousands of members at gold and platinum mines operated by companies including Sibanya Stillwater, Lonman, and uh, Anglo Platinum and Impala Platinum. Uh, of course, uh, this notice uh, has come out uh, shortly before AMCU gets ready to enter into wage negotiations with the platinum miners. So it looks like uh, there's been a few buddy, buddy, buddy uh, email uh, exchanges, which we're probably going to hear about in about two years' time. Uh, and uh, the government is now stepping in with heavy boots and is uh, trying to squish uh, AMCU just uh, weeks before they're due to start to those crucial and expected to be really tough talks in the platinum sector. Uh, notice in the government's gazette today said, I left Honolo Daniel Molefe, the Registrar of Labor Relations, give notice of my intention to cancel the registration of the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union. Molefe said the trade union has ceased to function in terms of its constitution and the trade union is not a genuine trade union as envisaged in the Act. Well, of course, that's going to end up in the courts. I don't think uh, they're going to be able to shut down AMCU before those platinum talks get ahead. And I'm sure it's going to color those platinum talks and they're going to be very hostile. Uh, attempts to reach a spokesman from Labour by Reuters didn't work this afternoon. AMCU was equally unresponsive. South Africa is likely to harvest 15% less May uh, this season compared with previous season. That's after drought delayed plantings. Remember, we only started getting rain late in December. Uh, in previous, like 20 years ago, we were getting rain in August. Now we're getting rain in April. And we've got a cyclone headed towards uh, Mozambique, another one. Uh, Mozambique, um, uh, KwaZulu-Natal, they used to have their cyclone floods in December. No, they haven't even in April. That must be making it really hard for farmers to decide when exactly are we going to plant our crops. And of course, the continuing rains over here are not a friend uh, to maize farmers because maize farmers have now got their maize uh, drying on the stalk. They want them to dry out so they're going to be able to go and grind them down into millimil. Unfortunately, you know, if it rains, uh, you get mildew. Um, uh, starting to grow on on your cobs, and uh, that is going can uh, significantly reduce your yield. Um, I know that Monsanto has got a huge big uh, drying shed uh, up there in the northwest, around um, what they call it, um, uh, Lichtenberg. Yeah, near Lichtenberg, they've got a huge big drying shed for all of the Monsanto crops that they're growing here in South Africa. Yeah, the bureaus is not blij om nonsense to vatten, maar as it comes by GMOs and easy profits, well then it seems they don't have any problems in moving over to genetically modified maize, uh, while other African countries have refused to plant GMO crops. Uh, South Africa has been a fertile breeding ground. Uh, anyway, our maize crop is expected to be 15% less uh, this season. Uh, 5.447 million tons of white maize and 5.266 million tons of yellow maize. Um, 
FNB senior agricultural economist Paul Magupe said that although there were pockets of dryness in parts of the key maize-growing provinces in Free State and the Northwest, production conditions were generally favorable for most areas towards the end of the season. However, frost damage is as still yet unreported, but it has been pretty chilly lately, so you know that there is going to be a little bit of frost around. Uh, that's going to damage the crops and still waiting for that to come through. Right, the Judicial Commission of Inquiry into the PIC, the Public Investment Commission, uh, that is the body that oversees investments on behalf of uh, government pension funds, has heard that former Finance Minister Malusi Gigaba received a text in late 2017 warning him that removing Dan Majila as PIC boss would be catastrophic and a setback to an unspecified project. The contents of the WhatsApp exchange were contained in a submission by Bongani Matebula, the PIC company secretary, who was suspended last year and later reinstated in March this year. Matebula told the commission that Gigab informed the asset managers board about the correspondence during a meeting in September 2017. It had been called to discuss several concerns swirling about the institution. Um, Matila, uh, rather Gigaba, voiced concerns about being dragged into PIC matters, matters of which he said he had no knowledge. Uh, uh, he informed the board he had received a WhatsApp, a WhatsApp text on 13 September from a Cape Town businessman which read, Hi Malusi, can you call me urgently? My editors, whoops, that's a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? My editors have picked up a story on the removal of Dan Machile as PIC chief executive at a special board meeting on Friday. I'm not sure if you are aware. This will be catastrophic and will set us back. Please intervene to stop this since it is not good for you and the project. I have also sent to Sifiso a text. I'm unavailable. I am available to chat any time. According to Matabula, Gigaba responded to the message saying, I am not on the PIC board, Chief. I cannot intervene in this as it is a matter that the board has not formally reported to me. My deputy has told me they have suspended the Chief Executive. I am sure you would understand I have to respect governance. Matabula was asked if she knew who the businessman was, and she responded, I believe the name was mentioned. I think it was Mr. Iqbal's server. Of course, he is the chairman of the independent media group, which includes titles like the Star, the Cape Times, and the Argus. He's also in, is executive chairman of investment holding company Secundjalo. Um, survey testified for two days uh, before the inquiry in April. We went on to, go to, to say how wonderful his companies were and how evil the opposition media are. I think he's correct in that regard. But, well, I, I think he may well actually be sitting in the same boat. On Wednesday, Assistant Commissioner Jill Marcus asked the evidence leader to find out if Gugaba could authenticate the message. She also asked Matabula if she knew what the project was being referred to in the message. Matabula said she had no idea. Matter was, was, was not further discussed during the meeting. According to Matabula, the businessman wrote back to Gugaba, telling him he was trying to help, so the matter did not embarrass him. Mm, well, no, well, everyone's embarrassed. Vodacom Group and MTN. The shares fell today after one of the competition regulators ruled that South Africa's two largest mobile cell phone companies overcharged customers for data, something we've always known. Not so. Yeah, not enough competition in South Africa. Uh, too close to government buddies. Um, I'm surprised, actually, if Vodacom hasn't taken over Telcom yet, but uh, I suppose it's still early days. Uh, so, yeah, not enough competition uh, too friendly kind of environment and uh, 
we are suffering. We are suffering. Business is suffering. Uh, individual consumers are suffering. This is making a business expensive in South Africa. Uh, and it's nice to see the Competition Commission is stepping up to the plate. Vodacom and MTM between them uh, will more in the home market for data than in countries elsewhere in Africa. Uh, and not just, not just in Africa, any other countries, according to the Competition Commission. Customers' hardest hit are those using smaller prepaid bundles like me, uh, who tend to be less well off because I work for... <laughs> Islamic media, well, ah, well, you know, you've got to take, uh, you've got to take the swings of the roundabouts. And I mean, I just con just consider the company you would have to be in if you're still in the mainstream. Low-income consumers can may be exploited to a far greater degree relative to wealthier customers, according to Tim Benkosi Monagele, one of the commissioners. The carriers must commit to reduce the price of uh, sub-1 gigabyte packages to within an objectively justifiable and socially defensible range of current levels, he said. I wonder what on earth that means. Well, Vodacom and uh, MTN are probably scratching their heads right now. Their lawyers are probably saying it means absolutely nothing. It is so general and vague as to be embarrassing and of no cause and effect. That's probably what they're going to go to court and argue. Um, they have a combined 75 million customers. Uh, what? No, it can't be. Uh, had a, according to Fin24, Vodacom, majority owned by Vodafone in the UK and Empty Hen, have a combined 75 million customers in South Africa. Well, doesn't that just say something for accounting practices at large companies? Uh, we've got 57 million um, customers in South Africa. Ah, oh, well, of course, there could be overlap. Like, you know, you could have people that have got a Vodacom phone and they've got a an MTN phone. That could explain why there's 75 million customers and only 57 million people living in the country. Uh, but, uh, yeah, okay, so there's probably an overlap, you know, in customers. Uh, so, yeah. That's some people maybe have got three phones or seven phones or so on. You've got companies that buy a hundred phones and so on for their staff. Um, they they currently take up uh, uh, constitute three quarters of the current market, including uh, those with more than one mobile phone subscription. Smaller carriers have long appealed to regulators to curb the dominance of the top two carriers. While the high data, while the high cost of data has been subject of street and social media protests, including the hashtag data must fall. Vodacom dropped as much as 4% in Johannesburg, while MTN fell by 2.9% uh, after the announcement. Uh, Vodacom spokesperson Byron Kennedy uh, said it could confirm that as part of its ongoing pricing transformation strategy to address the cost to communicate in South Africa, we have reduced the effective cost of data by 34% in the past calendar year alone. Well, Byron, I'm afraid it's not enough. We want more. Prices must fall even more. You know, they, 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 they give you like data discounts if you're going to phone your, phone your loved ones between midnight and 6 a.m. I mean, what kind of, what kind of um, deal is that? Um, well, you know, you've got to be either a gambler or going to one of those other sites, I suppose. Uh, the competition, so, so those, I wonder what if that says about Vodacom clients. MTN uh, couldn't be immediately reached for comment. The Competition Commission uh, measured data prices against other countries in Africa and around the world, found they compared poorly. 
One reason is the government's repeatedly de delays in providing new mobile spectrum, which would increase access and bring down costs, according to the Competition Commission. However, any upcoming auction should be based on a requirement for providers to cut fees and lay on services, including free Wi-Fi in public spaces. You know what the government should do? They should like give uh, like the 5G contract to a completely new player. I'm sure that people at Rain would be pricking up the ears at such a suggestion. And actually exclude Vodacom and MTN from 5G. Wouldn't that be funny? That would make them bring down their data costs very quickly. Uh, the wire carriers, wireless carriers' views on the findings sh should be submitted by June 14. They should reply by June 14, while a final report will be published later this year, says the Competition Commission. Well, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, a uh, big bullion bank, which of course would be very friendly terms with a big bullion producer, is no longer um, a friend of Anglo-American. Well, a close friend, put it that way. That's because after almost three years of rating the mining giant stock as overweight, and in terms of you must buy the stock, uh, the firm has downgraded it to neutral today, citing a tree of concerns. The shares no longer look as cheap. The company's 2020 earnings may see a cut, and capital returns may be constrained in the first half of the year. So, the Anglo shed 3% in London, uh, where it is has its major its major um, listing. It's only a secondary listing in the JSC nowadays. Yes, Anglo-American is now a genuinely Anglo company. Ah, well, on, on that sad Anglo news, we're going to have to go across to the marketplace so for some news from our sponsors. Marukas Sahaba, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Right, well, if you want to phone in and uh, share your two cents worth of what you think was going on in business today, uh, give us a call, 10 110 or you can WhatsApp us on 084-786-3132. Yeah, don't be shy. Mm, well, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> still a little bit sick. Um, it's, a, it's a terrible thing where, like, you know, you... you you drag yourself out of bed to go to work and uh, you find yourself traveling to work in the rain. Uh, well, mm, hopefully it hasn't come back. Uh, yeah, anyway. Today, the Democratic Alliance has said that they will provide us with cheap electricity if we vote them into power on May 8. Yeah, as well as like um, shutting down mosques and um, um, opening up uh, Zionist Nazi Israeli embassies. Uh, and uh, saying that Muslims are sinners, uh, they also want to give us cheap electricity. Well, that sounds very nice. Uh, damp, that's uh, that's what you call uh, Democratic Alliance MPs. That's, I suppose, better than wets. Uh, that's what uh, Margaret Thatcher used to call uh, her spineless coterie that used to follow around all the time. Coterie of, of ministers, you used to call them the wets. Well, in South Africa, we have the damps. Natasha Mazzoni told reporters in Cape Town today the Dear Democratic Alliance has a power procurement strategy that could shield South Africans from load shedding as early as the day after elections. Oh, the Cape Town Metro is seeking the right to procure as much as 10 megawatts from independent power producers instead of relying on ESCOM. Uh, they're still fighting the case in the South Gauteng High Court, Johannesburg, for the right to procure more power from independent power producers and make itself less dependent on ESCOM. Uh, 
So giving uh, provincial and local spheres of government the freedom to procure more energy from independent power producers could progressively free households and business from reliance on Eskom and lower the risk that they would be exposed to load shedding. She argued, well, it's pretty... It's pretty logical, yes. Um, and in fact, it's really interesting because Jeff Kadebe just last month actually also um, floated the possibility of this happening, uh, that uh, municipalities uh, can start, uh, they need to um, uh, restart recharging up the old power stations uh, to generate electricity. It says that this, the stations represent an opportunity for municipalities to increase revenues. While uh, while taking pressure off uh, ESCOM, uh, meanwhile a Western Cape MEC for community safety uh, and is also apparently the candidate for premier in uh, the Western Cape, uh, Alan Windy, uh, said the city of Cape Town is looking to procure 400 megawatts. Well, that's a lot of renewable energy from independent power producers. So anyway, now uh, that's an interesting little space. Um, Kadebe himself, he's um, let the horse bolt earlier. So, well, it's an interesting one, you see, because, of course, that would take clients away from ESCOM. Uh, ESCOM, uh, apparently, according to Pravin Gordon, is going to be another five years before it's going to be able to start generating enough revenue to pay its debts and is going to have to be bailed out for the next five years. Mm, yeah, and it says everything is working out fine, but then suddenly, uh, just last week, they had to organize an emergency loan when Chinese loan didn't come through. Uh, that's a very interesting one. That is not like China's um, desperate for money or is running out of money. It's sitting on the biggest cash pile in the whole world. So, why does the money not come from China? They say they're sure that by the end of the, the month, the uh, end of this month, which is in just, uh, well, a few days' time, that the money will come through. It's going to be interesting to see if it doesn't come through. Because that means that another emergency loan is going to have to be made in order to pay off the money that was um, taken from, I think it was APSA gave uh, an emergency loan. Uh, There's a nice thing about having banks, local banks with deep pockets. Um, yeah, we should actually uh, bring uh, Professor Professor Bond back onto the show to discuss, could South Africa do quantitative easing? I mean, we've got a, a strong local banking sector. Um, could we introduce quantitative easing like the United States and Europe and China and Japan have done? Wouldn't it be really interesting to have a country that's officially an emerging market suddenly given itself quantitative easing? Um, it would solve all of our ESCOM problems. It would solve a whole host of problems. Uh, but would also mire us probably with an unsustainable debt. But if America is not worrying about it, why should we? Hmm? Um, yeah, but uh, you know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of odds and ends about it that would need to be discussed, uh, including how how you're going to spend the money. Um, are you going to restrict it to to just the bond market? Uh, are there other ways that we could spend it? And uh, what would be the result? What would happen to the RAND? Would the RAND fall through the floor? And if it didn't fall, if it did fall through the floor, then we have to ask, why didn't the dollar fall through the floor? And then we'd be told, no, well, the dollar season in an emerging market basket of currencies that's put there by Bloomberg so as to provide some kind of rational discourse as to what is happening with currencies around the world. I mean, um, uh, Bloomberg, I suppose, in essence, provides the big lie. The big lie, the big excuse that currency traders are then able to latch on around the world and to sell a 
currency up or down. Uh, does Bloomberg, in actual fact, produce real news? I, I, I don't believe it. I, I, I don't believe you can call Bloomberg a news agency. You can't call Real Reuters a news agency. Not when their two platforms are the biggest currency trading platforms in the world. And the currency traders use their instant messaging services to speak to each other. Really, the Competition Commission needs to uh, call Reuters and Bloomberg in. That's what I'd like to see. Reuters and Bloomberg being called in uh, by the Competition Commission to explain exactly how their Chinese walls work, you know, between uh, their, their, their journalism and their, well, their commercial activities. Are they speaking genuine um, currency issues or are they speaking up clients' books? Are they engaging in currency manipulation on behalf of their governments as patriotic news organizations? I mean, they're all captured nowadays, um, including Bloomberg and Reuters. They also went into Iraq as captured journalists. Uh, so, yeah, are Reuters and Bloomberg in actual fact genuine um, news agencies? I would deny that they are. And if you have a look at the kind of, um, I mean, you, you go to Reuters and you, and you call up Reuters stories, um, you get adverts actually appearing right in the midst of the news feed nowadays. So they, they look like just like genuine news stories. I mean, um, really, uh, they, they, there's no shame there. There should, there should be an arm's length between advertisers and journalists, and that is simply not the case with Bloomberg and Reuters. But then, you know, if they're going to climb into a Nazi tank and go kill Semites in Iraq and Syria and all of these different places... Can we expect them uh, to be genuine journalists when they're reporting on currencies and business issues? I suppose it would be naive of us to expect that, not so. Right, so no, so anyway, uh, Tito Mboweni, uh, heavy set Tito Mboweni coming under uh, fire from Kasata today, saying that he needs to practice what he preaches and retire. And uh, not because he's too old, but maybe because they just don't like him, apparently. Uh, when he was appointed in October to replace Nsantha Nene as finance minister, uh, Kasatu said this must only be a transitional move uh, and we need to get rid of this guy as soon as possible. Uh, they said this is a man who says people who are 55 years old must retire because they're too old, uh, Shinganje said. It would be a huge shock for us. So that's Michael Shinganje, uh, Kasatu's first deputy president. He said it would be a huge shock for us if P Tito Mweni was to avail himself to be the minister of finance. That's after the May election, then that is something Kasata would oppose. So really, the ANC is like heading into some really nasty territory post May 8, uh, because uh, they've got Kasata gunning for them, uh, and they're going to have AMCU gunning for them. And uh, trying to ban AMCU just before platinum negotiations are due to start is not a good move. You know, if they wanted to do that, they should have done it at the earlier on in the year. They should have done it in January. But trying to do it now, they're not going to be able to deregister AMCU before the platinum uh, talks start because that's going to, are going to end up in court. Um, and if the platinum guys say that, well, we refuse to negotiate, with, including negotiations, because uh, this matter is before the courts, well, then there's just going to be tools down all over the mines, uh, mines uh, in South Africa. And uh, that's likely to turn into something even uglier than um, the, 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 the 2012 Marikana massacre. Really, it's, it's not a wise move to make.
is all I can say. And uh, clearly, um, Mbaweni is not Kasatu's darling, although maybe Kasatu is trying to distance itself from uh, the ANC just before elections as well. It's not that Kasatu is trying to get itself elected. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, Kasatu is in many ways just like the, it's the government's sweetheart union, isn't it? Much like the National Union of Mine Workers became management's sweetheart union. Uh, that necessitated the emergence of AMCU, and the fact that uh, NUM had sold out was the reason why AMCU was able to get so strong. Uh, and so you see, if you try and get, uh, get rid of AMCU, something else is just going to pop up in its place. Uh, I think the ANC government is uh, hiding its head in the sand. Um, uh, things are getting nasty in the mining sector. In fact, things are getting nasty all around the country because it's 24 years. Some people have been waiting and their conditions haven't changed. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's not a government, not a country for old men, Tito. And uh, yeah, the ANC is very largely to blame, but it doesn't look as though the ANC is going to be kicked out in these elections according to the polls. To what extent they can be believed, I'm not sure. But they're all saying that the ANC should come in with around about a 60% majority. Hmm. Herman Mashaba, the Johannesburg mayor, he's not sitting around or waiting for things. He is going to be, he's announced today, the single biggest property investment the city of Johannesburg has ever made through private sector development. He said the city expects to realize 20 billion rands in investment value and create affordable housing by releasing city-owned properties to the private sector to develop. Uh, I think a flea's been uh, chatting in his ear. You know, um, I was friends with a few uh, Joburg, Joburg officials uh, a few years ago. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, 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 I was doing a lot of uh, in, in empty city buildings in the Joburg CBD Um yeah, the the, the the Joburg city is is one of the biggest property owners in the in the inner city. But uh, you know, uh, just because uh, they now are going to sell to private developers doesn't mean that there are going to be private developers who want to come and take over. Um, Mashaba um, says, "Yeah, we're just going to sell these buildings." Well, I'm afraid, you know, Herman, you've got to get someone to come and step up the plate and buy the buildings. You see, uh, before you came along. The ANC had been doing all kinds of things trying to get people to get back into the in, into the inner city, uh, and uh, well, you know they they, they even gave them a hundred percent rebate. They can get the buildings for free essentially, and then there's all the other kinds of issues like electricity supply and all kinds of things. They're trying to get people into the inner city. I was working at the, the Star newspaper. I'm sure, it's almost twenty years ago now. Can you believe it? And uh, there was a guy called, um, what is his name, Buta. Buta. he had an Italian name, like Lorenzo Buta or something. Uh, and he was, he had taken over a whole lot of buildings, including uh, the former, um, what is the name of that accounting firm behind the Star newspaper? Uh, it wasn't Ernst & Young. I mean, in fact, there might have been Ernst & Young building behind the Star newspaper. Uh, he'd taken that over, and of course that meant he'd taken over all the little shops in Diagonal Street uh, that were, you know, on street level there. Of course, a lot of Indian businessmen there, a lot of Muslim businessmen there, and their families have been there in the inner in the inner city for well, almost ever since the inner city started up. And in fact, uh, their Starlight Cinema, uh, I think, uh, in the 1950s, 
One, a major court case that established that corporations could not have a racial character uh, because um, uh, they wanted to uh, kick all of the Indians out of the Joburg CBD and uh, the Starlight Cinema was owned by Indian businessmen, so I wanted to shut that down as well. And uh, the, all of the Indian families there in Diagonal Street and so on, of course, all of those all of those little flats are owned by businesses. So the businesses don't have a racial character, and so as a result, they're able to stay there for all that time. Uh, so, yeah, so Mr. Buddha came along and wanted to kick all of them out. So I went and interviewed him. Uh, we managed to uh, confound his efforts. Yep, the Indian businessmen are still there in Diagonal Street, alhamdulillah. And uh, Mr. Buddha was going on about all these kind of incentives that are given him to, um, you know, develop the CBD, and these things are just not working. Uh, and they were all kind of goodies that were thrown their way, Herman. So look, you know, just because you've come up with an idea to go and sell a whole lot of buildings doesn't mean you're going to be able to actually sell them. Yeah, yeah, the initiative, he says, will consist of 24 different developments uh, with construction set to start within six months. He did not say who the developers were. The properties are in Joburg Central, Yeovil, Berea, Friedadorp, Fairview, Salisbury, Marshallstown, Volhutte, Turfentin, and City and Suburban. In other words, they're the real dogs of the property sector at the moment. Herman Mashaba reckons he's going to get 20 billion rands by selling these buildings. Good luck, Herman. Good luck. Uh, the 24 developments uh, would be in addition to three developments already underway in Hillbrow and Newtown, bringing to 27 the total number of uh, construction projects underway in the Joburg inner city at the same time. All right, great. So it's a thrilling reality, he says, that Johannesburg is going to be turned into a construction site. Well, um, uh, um, Maboneng um, district was sold uh, recently, apparently for a very poor price. And that is like the premier property development in the Joburg CBD at the moment. So anyway, uh, Herman, I uh, wish you good luck with your opportunity to sell the dogs of the re of the. Um, of the property retail sector in Johannesburg. Good luck on that. Good luck, hey? You see, the DA likes to make out as though they're good at business, but old Herman Mashaba, um, I mean, I, I reckon he's white like me. Uh, Herman Mashaba reckons he's a good businessman. He's going to sell all these buildings for 20 billion rand. Good luck, Hermie. Right, anyway, South African sugar producer Tongot Hewlett uh, said today it's going to have to restate prior financial information. That's after a formal review revealed certain accounting practices that needed to be re-examined. Now, of course, you've got the whole of the investment sector is just kind of thinking, oh, Steinhoff, 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 it's another Steinhoff, it's another Steinhoff. Steinhoff in uh, December 2017 came out with a rather similar uh, kind of statement about accounting principles not being followed and having to restate results. And as a result, I think it was like seven or eight billion dollars was wiped off its books. And its share fell through the floor from 95 rand to less than 2 rand today. As anyway, today Tongat said it had started implementing a turnaround plan. And the review included timing and recognition of land sales, as well as assessment of various assets for impairment. Now that second part of it I can understand, but the land sales... I don't understand. Investors have been jittery about accounting irregularities after Steinhoff. Uh, Tongat has operations in South Africa, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe, so it's likely also then to be hit by these rains. 
Uh, it said last month a review had been carried out by the new chief executive, Gavin Hudson, and revealed past accounting practices that require remedial action. Uh, so anyway, today uh, it appointed PricewaterhouseCoopers, no, not today, last month, to review its accounting practices. Shares have fallen 23% since making the announcement, and uh, they say that they continue continue engage in a collaborative process uh, uh, with our debt providers to ensure the company's long-term sustainability. Well, I hope they do stay around. It's um, you don't want to see a South African company going down, do you? And it's a uh, Tongot, uh, um, Tongot Hewlett. Yeah, I know it wasn't brought out by British Foods. That was the other sugar company, I think. Samsung today uh, said it was going to have to delay the launch of its first foldable smartphones, a plan for the 26th April debut, after reports of screen failures among review units, a setback for the world's biggest hand, handset maker. Uh, the Korea-based company said it would postpone the retail launch of the Galaxy Fold without giving a new debut date. They was going to teach them a lesson. They wanted to come out and beat Huawei. They wanted to beat Huawei, so they came out with their debut, like uh, like just a week before Huawei was bringing out theirs last, uh, then earlier this month, I think, in Barcelona, perhaps late last month in Barcelona. They tried to uh, steal Huawei's thunder, and instead now they've got, well, I don't know if it's egg on their face or, or a shattered uh, glass, screen glass on their face. Um, several publications, including Bloomberg, has uh, reported a whole host of problems. In fact, you know, like after two days of, of using the phone, it no longer, no longer worked. And it wasn't only Bloomberg. I know, like I was saying, they got dodgy journalism. Uh, there were other journalism outfits that also said the same thing. But it wouldn't surprise me, given the captured state of journalism today, if Bloomberg and, and them were engaging in some kind of like, um, uh, you know, trying to get Apple's uh, foldable phone when it comes out to be sold or something like that, or doing a dirty on the other countries' businesses. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're going to run... Uh, currency trading platform, the biggest in the world, um, and claim to be a journalism outfit, well then, I'm sorry, goodbye. I, 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 I doubt your sanity, in fact, let alone your intelligence or your morality. Uh, consumer confidence in South Africa at its lowest level in more than a year, according to First Rand's um, uh, consumer confidence uh, measure. For the first time in uh, just more than a year, consumers do not expect South Africa's economic prospects to improve over the next 12 months, it said. Well, there you go. Boeing uh, today abandoned its 2019 financial outlook. It's halted share buybacks and says lowered production due to the grounding of its 737 MAX jet after two fatal plane crashes that costed at least a billion dollars so far. And it's likely to cost it a lot more. Uh, it's facing one of the biggest crises in its 103 history following the disasters of Lion Air in Indonesia in October last year and Ethiopian Airlines in March. Uh, it's now reckoning with a blow to its reputation and the financial costs of getting the planes back in the air. Um, it met sharply lowered Wall Street profit estimates, largely due to a stop in deliveries of the 737 MAX jets and a slowdown in production. Uh, that's a recent one that they had said that they're going to continue producing these planes as fast as we can. 
and uh, now they've been trying to get their fix, their software fix done, and apparently it's not so easy uh, as you may think. They just need to change the software, just a little, just a little tweak, they said, but now apparently uh, each tweak is having other, other down downstream effects on the, on the, the whole kind of like software that uh, keeps on jumbo up in the air. And uh, so, yeah, the software fixes haven't been uh, fixed yet. They haven't been accepted by the Federal Civil Aviation Authority, the Federal Aviation Authority in the United States. And uh, now they're failing uh, chagrin from uh, other civil aviation authorities that increasingly are wanting to show independence from the Federal Aviation Authority, America's Aviation Authority. And so, you know, even if the FAA does eventually get round to approving the Boeing 737 MAX 8 4 flight, it's now going to have to go through that process in a whole line of other countries that are going to say, well, we don't trust the FAA because the FAA said this plane was safe. And then uh, after the Lion Air crash, she said, no, everything's fixed. And the FAA said, yes, everything is fixed. It's safe to fly. I mean, I wouldn't want to get into, I mean, imagine if the FAA said, like in six months' time, this plane is safe to fly. Would you actually get into that plane? Um, Yeah. Um, Are people going to buy the plane? You know, you've got to buy something. Uh, You've got to buy something. Uh, So, anyway, good luck to Boeing. Um, Environmental activists from Kolobani. I headed to court next month in a bitter defamation suit brought last year by Australian mining company MRC, which is planning to mine titanium sands on the wild coast. The case involves three of six environmentalists who have been sued for defamation by MRC and its chief executive Mark Caruso. Its curtain raises the main hearing is intended to discover documents environmentalists say they need to properly defend themselves. Of course, I'm sure they're also trying to get their hands on a whole lot of other so until now confidential information that the mining company has been willing to hand over to them. Uh, they, call them they call these kind of suits slap suits, strategic litigations against public participation. So when somebody stands up uh, against a big mining company, against um, uh, Gwede Mantashe, who's the big gangster, who's actually trying to push all of this through against uh, the community's wishes, it's resulted in uh, the intent to bridge project being cancelled, all these kinds of things. Well, anyway, I'm afraid uh, that's all we have time for for today. We have reached the end of our time for the show. It's time to say, uh, make dua that whatever trading activity you got up today has been profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.